And now, for the thousands in attendance and the millions of people that wish they were sitting in front of my bar at the moment, welcome to the 10th episode of At The Bar with Yo Adrian, where I explore the lives and times of some really interesting people. And one of those interesting people happens to be Australian boxing legend, Glenn Kelly. How are you, Glenn? Yeah, good, Adrian. He's a boxing legend, all right. I'm going to go through his record. It's a very, very proud record. Glenn Kelly's boxing record. Here we go. 34 fights. Three losses. 17 knockouts, so more than half of those fights were KOs and one draw. He won the New South Wales Light Heavyweight title in 1996, won the Australian Light Heavyweight title in 1997, he won the IBF Pan Pacific Light Heavyweight title in 1999, he won the IBF Light Heavyweight Intercontinental title in, in the US against American Billy Lewis. In 2000, he challenged Roy Jones Jr. for the undisputed light heavyweight world title in February in 2002. 2005, his last fight, he also challenged David Hay. Anyone's heard of David Hay? He's a former heavyweight world champion. Some of the other great fighters of note that he fought is Sam Solomon, a former IBF middleweight world champ. You beat him by a unanimous decision over 12 rounds. And John Mugabe, the beast former WBC super welterweight world champ who had KO'd 39 of his 42 fights. Right at Fort, as I said, Marvin Hay on some of the best middleweights in that time. And David Hay, as I mentioned before, a unified cruiserweight world champ as well as the WBA heavyweight world champion. And of course, Roy Jones Jr., probably noted by a lot of people as the best ever pound-for-pound -pound fighter. Multiple world champion in four weight classes, including middleweight, super middleweight, light heavyweight, and heavyweight. Now, I've got a drink over there for you, mate. So it's customary at the Yo Adrian bar that everyone has a drink. Some people knock back the drink. Glenn's uh, agreed to have a drink with us. It's the Inverno. It's a, uh, with a ginger ale. Cheers, Glenn. Cheers, mate. Have a sip, mate. So that's a pretty impressive boxing record there. Now, before I go further, Glenn, this is how humble this man is. I took, and I won't mention his name, he's a young fellow. I, I went down to Daceyville Police Boys Club, which is not far from where we are now, Matraville. And he was sitting, Glenn was sitting at the edge of the ring there, just minding his own business. I think he was wrapping a strap around his knuckles at the time. And there was, I've got this mate of mine, he's crazy about Royce Jones Jr. He's got posters about him all over his room. And he's looked at me and he's he's looked at Glenn and I said, I said, listen, I said, you know who that guy is? And he said, who? I said, he fought Roy Jones Jr. for the undisputed light heavyweight title. He went, bullshit. Are you serious? I said, yeah. I said, you know I'm Roy Jones Jr. I said, you know he fought Glenn Kelly in Australian? He goes... Yeah, he says, that him? I said, that's him. Anyway, he was taken back by it, and his face went red. Like, and I said, go up to him and say hello to him. He was too shy to. Anyway, I said, and have a look behind the ring. There's a poster there. And I said, there's Glenn with the Roy, with Roy Jones Jr. And the, the poster was the actual uh, poster for the fight. So you would never think that Glenn Kelly, as humble as he is, which he's very, very humble, that's why I couldn't wait to get him in here. I, lo I love a humble champion. As I said, good morning, Glenn. First question, mate, for you. What was it like growing up in La Perouse as a kid during the 70s and the 80s? Is you're a local La kid? Uh, yeah, we, we 
we lived in Newdown first until yeah. I was about five years old and then we moved yep. out to Lava. But yeah, growing up we had our um, mishaps and ups and downs. But um, through my teens and all that, I've done a few stupid things, which I'm not going to mention on yeah. uh, on the radio. Like we all have. Yeah, yeah but um, in the end, everything turned out pretty good. Yeah. So, yeah, I've got a lot of mates out there. Uh, Big Rat is yeah. probably one of my best out lover. Um, a few more. And the, yeah. and the, uh, Troy Stewart. Yeah. I remember playing against him in rugby league, which which you also uh, dabbled in a bit. You played a bit of rugby league. I remember against uh, when I played football as a on the weekends for Marcelin, uh, which was wasn't as good as our school team. I remember playing this La Perouse and I got this mystery illness. It was called La Peritis. And it was always against La Perouse because, to be honest with you, I used to shit myself playing against them, especially against this Troy Stewart bloke that was, he looked like a man when we were kids and he just run through us. Him and his partner in crime was a guy called Sims, who's related to Eric Sims. His son. Brent, Brent, yeah, Brendan Sims. And they used to kill us. But we'd get back at them when we played. Um, when they were playing for Matraville and I was playing for our Marcelin school team, which was a stronger team. But uh, yeah, they were they were formidable, and he, he was a, he was a great player. Now, how did you get into boxing? Um, <clears throat> Kevin was uh, doing a bit of boxing, and uh, I noticed that training. Kevin, your, your brother, Kevin. Yeah, yeah. yeah, my brother Kevin. I noticed that uh, footy training that he was fitter than everyone else. Mm. So I just went down with him and said, um, "No, I just want to get fit." Yeah. I, there was no plan to yeah. to box or anything. Just and, coming um, a little bit. Yeah, I, I just went down to get fit. There was no attention to the box or yeah. anything, and I. Started getting really fit, so I got yep. down from 97 curloads, 76 yep. at one stage, and Kev turned around and said, why don't you have a five? And I said, yeah, I was thinking about it. Mm. So I was probably 24 at the time, mm-hmm. uh, and I think, yeah, I had my first amateur at nearly 25. So then I had three amateur that's, fives. That's pretty late, yeah. isn't it? Really? Very late. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But... Um, yeah, I just, uh, 25, I turned pro after my third amateur fight, thinking I was running out of time if I was going to yep. do anything. And um, six years into my pro career, I get to fight Roy Jones. So, yeah. It was a pretty quick rise. Do you remember your first trainer in the box? Yeah, I, I, I did have a spa with um, Lange. You know, Lange, yeah, Jason, Jason Lang. Yeah. Call out to Jason Lang. Uh, yeah. I'm sure he's he'll be listening to this podcast. Yeah, no, well, Jason, really um, lovely guy, champion well, bloke. In fact, he belted me up. It was my second spa yeah. ever. And he's from Newtown, wasn't yeah, he originally? Yeah. Uh, with with was Johnny, that part of that Newtown yeah, crew, yeah. Um, but yeah, he belted me up, and uh, I, I won a rematch. Now. Yeah, yeah. So, but he, he said, yeah, yeah, it's coming. <laughs> Jason Lang, eh? So, what made you choose boxing over rugby league? Because I know you played a bit of rugby league. You played for Larp. You played in some of those Aboriginal knockouts, I believe. Yeah, well, as I said, it wasn't intentional to box. Yeah. 
but just one thing led to another and I just kept winning and I, I won my first 29 fights uh, yeah. undefeated, yeah. So, yeah, I just, as I said, it wasn't intentional yeah. to do it, but it just blossomed into something and I just went from there. And, yeah. 29 fights without it, that's, that's pretty good. Mm. Who was who was your who was your inspiration back then? Who was your mentor? Did you have a boxing trainer or someone that well, you sort of looked up to? It was um, pretty much Kevin. Yeah, just seeing how he was going and that, and with his fitness and yeah, and you know, Dad pushed us into it when we were kids, mm. probably ten years old. We did it for a year, but we your, your dad played rugby league too, didn't he? he was, no, he didn't. No. No, he was no. a he was a wolfy mate. More of it, yeah. Yeah, wolfy. but he always tried to do his best for us, mm. you know, and, and push us in the right direction. He wasn't, how do I say it, he wasn't anything unbelievable athlete or anything like yeah. that. But, yeah, he just, he had some mates and that, Bruce Farvey, he was our first. Bruce Farvey um, from Eastern Southwest Police Boys Club? Uh, Woolamaloo, yeah, yeah, Woolamaloo, yeah. yeah. He yeah. used to train the Olympic boxing team. Yeah, well, he was Commonwealth uh, champion as yeah. well. I remember he. Yeah. I was at the Eastern Southwest Police Boys Club doing a bit of boxing there, sparring mm. there, and he was, he was, uh, he was the opposing trainer. Yeah. So, because Dad made us do it, yeah. we didn't like it. Yeah. And that's a bit of advice for parents that are trying to push their kids into things. Yeah. You can't force them. Yeah. You, you've got to let them choose. Like I've said to my kids, you you got to do something, but, you know, you don't have to be the best at it or whatever. you just got to be out there and doing something and be active. Yeah. You know, I, I just don't want you sitting around playing the games. And so your dad was, he was, he inspired you like that, did he? And he gave you the encouragement. Mm. In saying that, your dad, he passed away not long ago. Yeah. That's why we yeah. sort of delayed this uh, podcast and um, from... From what I've been told, I didn't know your dad that well, but everyone said that he was like loved in the La Perouse area. He was like a, an uncle to a lot of people. Yeah. So um, we raise a drink for Glenn's dad. God bless him. Yeah, I'm sure he's he'll be looking down at you in heaven, mate, mm-hmm. wherever he is in, uh, in dream time, <clears throat> which is part of your Aboriginal culture, yeah. and. Um, He'd be very proud, mate, yeah. of, of of you. And have you got any? You got siblings? I've got one uh, sister. Yeah, three brothers. All right, yeah. so he'd be very proud of yeah. all of you. Yeah. He put. He made us do some type of sport all the yeah. time. That whether it was a little athletics or swimming or or gymnastics for my sister, boxing for us, footy for us. Yeah, it was just something just to keep us busy and active. And, yeah. And that was one of his words was, um, you don't have to be a champion at it. So anyway, let's jump down the track. Probably 12 years later, mm. me and Kev go back in the boxing. And I think that was from the upbringing with Dad's uh, brought yeah. us and Mum as well. But, yeah, I, I really believe that he put us on that uh, path. Yeah. You know, so I, I thank him for that as well. Yeah. He's a good question for you. What did that early success, and you're talking about your 29 fights without without a loss, do for your confidence? And did, did it give you a self-belief that you could be, one day become a world champion with that record? Yeah, 
possibly, but uh, we'll delete some stupid things outside the ring too, you know, so things you shouldn't be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, never ever thought I was going to get to fight Roy Jones because yeah. uh, I followed him from middleweight. He was a junior middleweight first, and I remember I was at Kenzo, the, the White House, yeah, and I was having a drink. I was probably 23, 24, and uh, these two old guys are standing by me and said to each other, should see this guy fight. He's unbelievable. And I just uh, sat there quietly. I was on a bender. Yeah. You know, two rounds, and I just went, oh, wow. Who's this bloke? Never yeah. seen him before in my life. And uh, that inspired me as well. Yes. As uh, well as seeing how fit Kevin was, you know. So never ever thought in a million years I was ever going to get to fight this bloke. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I got there. Right. Now, what was the feeling like when you were told you are going to fight a legend like Roy Jones Jr.? <clears throat> in the um, US, and when it was in Australia, with the undisputed light heavyweight title, which I tell everyone is probably the second biggest prize in sport. Mm-hmm. Um Heavyweight World Championship back in the 50s and 60s was like, if you were the heavyweight champion, everyone knew you all around the world. So, I mean, boxing's starting to get its prestige back now. It it lost its way there for a while. But, you know, like people made, there's motion motion picture movies made about um, the middleweight champion. Somebody up there likes me, the raging bull. So it's, boxing's a huge sport. You fought for the light heavyweight title, <clears throat> the second biggest, you know, prize in sport. Uh, never, uh, yeah. So what was that feeling like? Just a little bit starstruck. You would have um, been. Just the people that were at, at the fight, to be yeah. honest. Um, AJ Simpson. Uh, he was there, was he? Yeah. Cuba Godding Jr. Um, Michael Jordan, Shaq. Uh, did, they, did you meet him? Did they come up here? No, I was, I was about to meet Michael Jordan, but um, something happened and people were all rushing towards him. And, you know, um, it just, yeah, it just wasn't meant to happen. You know, he was just crowded by everyone. Wow, yeah, I, just, I didn't know those. Whitney Houston was there. Wow. Mm, so it was just the stars of stars. Did you go into that fight believing you could win? <laughs> Not and and with that you get you had the fame and yeah. fortune and the I mean your next mm. pay packet would have been enormous. Uh, look, just a lot of things wasn't right in yeah. that fight. I didn't believe in the training that I did. Yeah, um, it was the right idea, but I was never in the first twenty six fights or something. I never ever fought that way. Yeah. And then people were trying to change it to be a brawler. And I was never a brawler. But to be in all honesty, you was never ever going to outbox the guy. You yeah. weren't going to outbox Roy Jones. So I was a catch-22 stage there. You know, damn if you do and damn if you don't. That probably you're talking about your preparation. Segway into yeah. the next question. Uh, tell us about your preparation. You said it was probably the wrong preparation. You, you know, you wanted to box, you yeah. told to brawl. Well, the weights, we weren't allowed to do weights. 
Uh, and that I believed in that. I really did. So Gary Ross was our weights trainer and everything. So I believed in that. And that all the things that I believed in was taken away from me. Yeah. You know, and my confidence, mate, was down there, mate, when I uh, was getting ready. And you know what? In the end, I was just thinking, I just can't wait for this fight to get over so I can just get out of there, you know. It's a horrible mindset to go over with because yeah. that's the way I really felt. Were you starstruck? You know? I, I, you know what? I was not confident at all. Yeah, I was put, oh, well, being put down. Honest, yeah. yeah, I was being put down in the gym, and you know, by the people that were supposed to be looking after my best interests. Yeah, you know, so yeah, I just went yeah. over there, and I wasn't confident. Would at you all. have done anything different if you had that time over again? Yeah, yeah. What would you would have done? Different? I would have got a different trainer. Yeah, mm. you mentioned Gary is also a, a friend of friend of mine. Their mutual friends. Um, I believe he used to get you running up those stairs at Coogee, mm. and you got the record amount of. You, you run up there about. <clears throat> what was the record that you did there? Twenty-one. That's unbelievable. But a Maybe. lady told me she done thirty laps, but she walked. I did them. six, almost died. Yeah. She walked them. She said. There, she said to me, "I did thirty, but I walked." Geez, you must have been yeah. fit. Well, I was. And I, so I, fitness wouldn't have been a problem in that fight? No. Well, I wasn't doing the stairs when that fight was coming up. You know, all that stuff was coming up. Mm. You know, it was, it was taken away from me. And yeah. there were all the things that I believed in that I felt that made me work better. Yeah. You know, whereas the right idea was to brawl him and, and make it a dirty fight, but he had an answer for it. Yeah. You know, he had an answer. Well, he was in his prime thing. back then. Yeah. It was like not when he fought uh, Danny Green. He was basically a bit washed mm. up and well, he wasn't the same. Stopped, uh, I think, two or three times. That's right. But Tarver, I think, stopped him. And, yeah. and you, you know, they say that once you've been knocked out, you're never the same yeah. after that, you know. Well, Glenn Johnson. Glenn Johnson almost. That yeah, was my main, too, yeah. yeah, that was my main sparring partner for him. Roy Jones when I got to America. How did you go against Glenn Johnson when you were sparring? That would have pretty good. Yeah. So and his he... excuse was um he's not fit. Yeah. So but he was a good tough fighter, mate. He was he, yeah. I think he beat Tarver once too. Mm. So I think him and Tarver had three fights and Tarver won two and he won one. But yeah, and Tarver is the first guy to knock Roy Jones out and Danny Green. Wow. But Danny Green knocking Roy Jones yeah. out, mate, in one round, that is extremely hard to do, even at that stage of his career. Have you, have you ever spoken yeah. to Roy Jones? No, not really. He, he come down after it yeah. and sat with us and had a chat with us. And, you know, he said, you know, just don't give up. You just was up against it tonight. And, yeah. You know, you so he's encouraging, yeah. Yeah. He, it didn't put you down or nothing. And you know what? He was just hanging around with himself. He didn't like the hanger-ons. Yeah. He just liked being by himself after his fights and that. So he was a down-to-earth guy. Mm. Did, did, he, did he know that you were um, an Australian Aboriginal? Uh, yeah. 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 Well, well I, that never ever came up. But 
Yeah. More Aboriginal. Because I think a lot of a lot of Americans they know about the proud history of Aboriginal fighters. There's been so many, and you're one of them, and your brother too. He fought for a. We won't can't forget Kevin. He fought for a middleweight title against Reed. Um, yeah. You get look at these fighters. I just I'll just rattle them off now. There's so many of them. You've got Dave Sands, who um, he was. They, they reckon he was right up there with Sugar Ray Robinson. They reckon if he would have fought Robinson, he would have given Robinson a um, run for his money. But mm. his life was cut short tragically. He he he, he was um, killed by a car rolling back on Ron Richards. Mm-hmm. Similar weight to you, big light. He was like yeah. a he was a large frame fighter, light heavyweight. Of course, Lionel Rose, which is <laughs> probably the best Australian boxer that we've ever had. Uh, Ellie Bennett, Jerry, uh, Jerry Jerome, Jack Hassan, yeah. who's related to yeah. another kid down there, the Garveys, yeah. I believe. Mark Sims, yeah, yeah. yeah. But grandfather. He was so, a good mate of my dad's. Yeah, there's, they're yeah. natural boxers. I remember being at the police boys club myself and I used to train at um, Redfern and I said sparring as Brian Roberts and you know, Paul Roberts and, um, yeah, you know, for Jerry, me, I, yeah, 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 I, I was, I was a, like, I was a hard, hard punching slugger and that and they were all technically sound uh, boxers. I couldn't. Lay a glove on them, know. yeah, and it was just like yeah. good, good fighters. A lot of respect for Aboriginal boxers. So, as a proud Indigenous man, what do you think about this question? Do you believe this whole reconciliation progress with a white Australia is now sustainable, and that your people are being fairly represented and respected in business, sport, and politics? In fact, as a whole package, <laughs> how do you think we are now in Australia in 2022 in regards to? The respect of your culture and Australian people as a whole. Uh, <clears throat> certain people are trying to make things better. Yeah. And other side of people are still trying to keep us down. That's what I believe. Um, there are a lot of people that are trying to help, and but there's always um, the the shutters put up, you know. Um, you turn one corner and then you run into another. So they're, it's, it's, they're trying, but... Um, I always look at that. You know how Goods had to play the AFL? That, that, that was sad what happened to him. Oh. I mean, I've met him. He's a really nice bloke. He's, they, shit that he, had, he got put up with. You know, like, until I get, got to know him properly, yeah. and that, like, he's pretty much was a hero. Yeah. And what he done. You know, he, he stood up and, you know, and Eddie Maguire and that, you know, saying stuff on the camera. He was seen mm. on the camera. Um, was not, it was inappropriate, you mm. know, what he said. Um, Sam Newman gets on the show on TV, painted black. Yeah. You know. Um, but he's got a track record of being a dickhead. Yeah. I don't think anyone takes notice of him. Yeah. But... See, I look at Anthony Mundine, and he's got a lot of detractors. But I, I personally, I like Anthony Mundine. Uh, you know, thought, thought the world of his dad. He spoke out about it. He was in similar vein to, say, Cassius Clay or Muhammad Ali, as he'd become known as. And I always found Anthony Mundine is a great example of, you know, someone who has done really, really well. 
your culture and um, someone to be proud of. No. He, he's done well in the sport. He he doesn't drink. He's law-abiding. Yeah, he speaks out. He speaks out against racism. But um, no one can ever say that you know, he's an embarrassment. He's What he's done for your community is incredible. Mate, he's, he, he is, he, he is a, he's a good spokesman. Sometimes he might not say the right thing. Yeah. But... With the September 11 thing, I think that was a bit... Yeah. But most of the time, he, he's there. right. People just can't yeah. see it. You know, and people want to ignore it. Mm. You know, this is why he didn't get picked in the uh, New South Wales sides and that. Yeah. Because he was... He spoke up. Mm. And he was pushed aside. And that, mate, he... he done extremely well out of boxing. Yeah. Um, Do you see Anthony much? Do you have much no, contact with him? Do you talk no. to him much? When I see him, I'll say hello and that and have a yeah. little chat. But, mate, he done... He put boxing back on the map in Australia. Was was there any talk that you and him could meet in the ring at one <clears> time? Say a bit of a catch weight? No, look, I was getting older and, and weight was going on and, you know, started losing the drive for it. How do you think that fight would have went? you got to be able to do it with his speed. Yeah. That's what it is, yeah. He's, he's got, mate, he was a good, pretty good boxer. To be honest, he was, he, he, and he got better and better. He went the distance with Mikel Kessler, so that's not easy. He's, how do I say this? Um, he didn't live up to his full potential. I, I felt he could have yeah. done a lot better in the world of boxing um, if he just fought the right fights. Mm. But, he, you know, he done well. He made a lot of money from yeah, it. Yeah, he done he well. Made, made he made heaps of money well. from it. Mm. Now, on a lighter note, I want you to give us your top 10 heavyweights. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you my top 10 first, heavyweights of all time. All right, now here's my list. A lot of people might not, they might not agree with my top 10 because I haven't put any modern-day fighters in my top 10. But here's my top 10. i got number one, Muhammad Ali. Number two, George Foreman. Number three, Lennox Lewis. Number four, Joe Louis. Number five, Jack Johnson. I'm going back a bit there. Sonny Liston, who I named after my son, as six. Seven, Evander Holyfield. Eight, Joe Frazier. Nine, Rocky Marciano. And just sneaking in, and I copped a bit of criticism from this from a lot of people, is uh, Mike Tyson. Give us your top ten, Glenn. I would say Tyson's right up there. Yeah. Um, but Holyfield beat him, but he didn't beat him in his peak. You know. Uh, but you, Evander Holyfield, Lennox Lewis has to be there. Yeah. See, I'm just saying the ones of recent times. Yeah. Not the ones way back, because I, I don't have enough uh, insight on on their careers, and that. Um, yeah, it's, it's hard, mate, off the top. The thing about what, what makes Lennox Lewis great, too, is the, the times he was beaten, he'd come back and he avenged those two losses. Yeah. So that's why I got I had him so high. George Foreman was just, what he did was incredible. He he won at the age of 20, 28, and he knocked out um, Joe Frazier, knocked him down, I think, six or seven times, and then 
And then he come back at the age of 45 and beat Michael Mora, who beat Hollyfield. So that's where that's where my argument is with when people say to me, oh, the, the heavyweights uh, that came about later were better because of modern technology and all that bullshit that people want to mention. Stop and think about this. This is the way I look at it. And this is the way I answer that question is if a guy like George Foreman at 45 can come back and beat the modern heavyweights, what does that say about the modern heavyweights? Because a George Foreman, would you agree at 28 is a lot better than a George Foreman at 45? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's where my argument is. So I can imagine a George Foreman 28 would have demolished Mora, which means he probably would have demolished Holyfield and and Tyson. came back and avenged that loss to Mora and knocked Mora out. Yeah, that's true. But it's just the the ease in which, you know, Foreman knocked out Mora at the time. I mean... Yeah, he was slow and all that, but as you know, power's the last thing to go. It was just one shot. Yeah, that yeah. one shot. Paul ended that. that one shot. And, yeah. Um, but, mate, it's not easy to land that. Mm. And then you've got someone like uh, Rocky Marciano. People, have, they say, oh, he was too small, but he was just tough. You know, he'd, uh, at five foot ten, which is basically, I'm five foot ten, mm. probably way... I think probably weighed a bit less than me because he was, you know, he was fighting fit. But someone to go out and be the heavyweight champion at that at that weight and that height is incredible. I think he weighed around about what eighty nine kilos. Yes, so he must have been. Geez, he must have been a tough bugger. Jack Johnson, who was like a modern. Uh, well, you can make an example of Jack Johnson's like Tyson Fury at that time. Very clever fighter. So. I rate him very high. He's in my top five. Is there anyone in that list that I've mentioned? No. Sonny Liston? What do you think of Sonny Liston? Yeah. He was... Um, when Muhammad Ali knocked him out... Yeah. Um, bit sus? Possibly. Yeah. That's Who knows? Some you don't know whether mob had yeah. something to do with it. Yeah. Well, and it was rife back then. Yeah. So you just don't know. Um, you don't want to make accusations or anything yeah, yeah. like that, you know. But it is what it is. And I just thought the first fight when he didn't come out for the seventh round, he made out that well, he won't make accusations, but he said that he tore his shoulder. But he was getting outboxed. Mm. Yeah, yeah his face was pretty puffed up. And then you get someone like um, Joe Frazier. Who was like similar style to uh, which I've got him in as number eight, similar to Marciano, and that would have been a great fight. Yeah. He wasn't big man. He wasn't he big, wasn't big, but he he troubled Ali. That three fights that they had, he, well, he beat Ali the first time, fair and square, and uh, the second one was really really close, and the third one he wouldn't come out. Yeah, he wouldn't come out. And it's not because well, he didn't want to come out. Angelo Dundee. He, 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 uh, no. Eddie Futch, his trainer, said, yeah, because um, yeah, he would have kept going. But as I said, they were almost three decision fights. You know, that that that, that ended, I think, was a well, end up TKO, wasn't it? You know, he wouldn't come out for the 15th round. But Ali said that if he didn't come out, Ali 
admitted. He said, oh, "I don't think I was ready to fight that last round. He was just yeah. totally exhausted. Yeah, he, yeah, was, yeah. he was, he was, he was I don't remember that. Yeah. Now, I got a final question for you, Glenn, and uh, all my podcasts end with this question: If you could change anything about yourself, what? If I could go back in time. Yep. Um, I'd do it properly. What's that? The your boxing career? Your boxing or? career. I'd do it properly, and I wouldn't mess around and hit the party scene. Uh, and this is what I'm trying to push onto my kids. Yeah, you got five kids, and yes. call out to his wife Tracy that I know is going to be yeah. watching this at a later yeah, date. No, I, I'm just my mistakes is was to teach them. Uh, that's what I believe. All my mistakes is to teach them not to go the same way I did. But I still went pretty good, so um, it's not the end of the world. So. Mate, I think you've done very well, and uh, you're a very, very humble man. And um, we love that in Australia, humbleness. As I said, your legacy is always going to be remembered. You fought for a light heavyweight undisputed title against Roy Jones Jr. Now, not many people can can say that. Not so, in his peak. Yeah. It was in his peak. Exactly. Yeah. So that's 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 a, that's mm. amazing, mate. As, as I said, being a po- interviewing you now, mm. I'm very very proud that I'm interviewing you because I, I you well, know, you said know. I love boxing and I know a lot about boxing and did mate, a bit of boxing myself and to be interviewing mm. you is a massive thrill. Me. Yeah. I had the choice to pick two other champions to fight. Yeah. And I I had to go for the top. Yeah. Because he was the best, mate. He was the best out of every division. Yeah. That, that's what I believe anyway. He certainly was. Well he's he's known as being the best fighter pound for pound. So that means, as I always finish with all my podcasts, if Glenn can change, which means I can change, which means you can change. So until my next podcast, sometime next year, treat people as you'd like to be treated yourself. As I always say, don't take any shit from anybody. Until next year, bye, fellas. Bye, ladies. Catch ya.